Hello and welcome to the Controversies in Church History podcast. My name is Derek Taylor, your host for this podcast. This is a reminder that you can find Controversies in Church History on various social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, and also on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the podcast, this is a free podcast for most people. Uh, I try to make it available as through many as many platforms and types of different types of social media as I can. But I do actually try to advertise every once in a while. I do have a few expenses for doing this, and it is a lot of work. So this is supposed to be a service. You're not supposed to actually you don't have to do this. But if you'd like to become a patron of our podcast, go to Patreon.com, and you'll find our Patreon page on Patreon where you can become a a donor, a monthly donor. I think it's five, seven, and ten dollars to help out defray some of the cost of this stuff. Uh, going forward, I'm going to start doing more things, interviews of those sorts of nature for uh, patrons on Patreon to focus more on that. So if you want to keep supporting the podcast, keep it going. Uh, all the episodes uh, uh, in terms of the archive of what I've done will be available free. Uh, eventually they'll be made after a month or so, all the new ones. But uh, if you become a patron, you get new episodes um, a month in advance. You get some other things, bonus features that it won't make available. Uh, all the regular episodes will be available to all people. So uh, just to help out and say uh, thank you to some of my donors. So if you'd like to do that, please go to patreon.com and think about signing up. Uh, thank you and God bless. Hello and welcome to Controversies in Church History. My name is Derek Taylor. I'm your host for this podcast, which takes you through the most interesting, important, and controversial episodes in the history of the Catholic Church. <clears throat> welcome once again uh, to our podcast. Remember, you can find Controversies in Church History on, our, uh, on the web at churchcontroversies.com, and my website, which has links to all my episodes, as well as to articles I've written in other various venues, like Crisis Magazine and others. Um, also on, on Facebook, uh, Facebook page, uh, on YouTube, where I post most of the um, content, um, and on Twitter, where I post various things from time to time. You can also, if you'd like to become, uh, if you want to help me out with the podcast, you can become a, a patron a Patreon, uh, on our Patreon account, which you can find Controversies in Church History there as well. All that's available if you search uh, for us on the web. Uh, thank you for listening once again. Thank you to all my listeners, all my patrons. Um, this episode's another sort of uh, Catholic Lives episode, um, a sort of biography, mini-biography of uh, non-sainted um, figures from Catholic history. <clears throat> and this time we have an interesting one. Um, Baldwin IV, the leper king of Jerusalem. And um, this this actual um, episode was actually suggested to me by my nephew, Clay. So this is for you, Clay. Um, and so we're going to talk about the, the brief reign of uh, uh, one of the crusader kings, uh, kings of the crusader states, um, who actually had leprosy. Uh, and so and get the background for this right, just people who, <clears throat> if you haven't, uh, don't know much about the crusades, the first crusade was called 1096 to free the um, the holy sites and the holy land from Muslim control. <clears throat> this uh, succeeded in 1099, and uh, what happened is that um, the crusaders set up four states um, uh, from north to south. Uh, in the north, the county of Edessa, going south from there, the principality of Antioch, centered on the city of Antioch, going south from there, the county of Tripoli, down to the southern, most southern uh, kingdom is the uh, state is the kingdom of Jerusalem, Centered on Jerusalem. Mostly there's coastal territories 
what would be today modern Israel, Syria, and Lebanon, except for Edessa, which is kind of in northern Mesopotamia uh, up that way. Um, but they formed these states in order to protect um, Christian access, Christian control to these holy sites, Christian holy sites, which have been under Muslim rule for many centuries at that point, and then, you know, pilgrims going to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, the kingdom of Jerusalem was um, given to um, um, uh, Baldwin I, who was the brother of Godfrey of Bouillon, who was one of the main leaders of the First Crusade. Um, after Godfrey's death, French crusaders welcomed him into Jerusalem, and he was crowned king in 1100. And um, and so this is a this is a feudal kingdom we're talking about here. It's the Middle Ages. And um, most of the, not all of them, but most of the crusaders who made it to the middle, uh, not just the first crusade, but pretty much throughout the rest of the rest of the um, um, the Middle Ages, at least of the you know, Near East, um, were in some senses French. Again, I say in some senses there's no modern France in the ancient in medieval Europe, but uh, Baldwin came from the city of Bologna on the north city on the north coast of France. Uh, many of those original crusaders who made it to the Holy Land uh, were. <clears throat> you know, people who spoke Old French. And Old French actually became the dominant language of the Crusader states. Um, so great was their domination of the Crusader states, Muslims actually referred to the Crusaders in general as Franks or Frange. So if you see translations of, you know, Arab accounts of the of the, um, of the Crusaders, they just call them all Franks. So, and so you have this king, feudal kingdom, uh, which is, you know, passed down for the eldest uh, surviving son. That's primogeniture. Uh, survives for about 200 years. Uh, and this is the kingdom that Baldwin IV will rule. Uh, mostly by conquering coastal cities in the region around Jerusalem and collecting customs duties on trade. Um, and um, later on in its history, toward its end, it, it, it's established in 1100, uh, is finally swallowed up in 1291. In the 13th century, it will the, the kingdom will fall under the control of no, uh, great noble families that are resident in the Holy Land. But in the 12th century, during Baldwin's lifetime, it's ruled by the king in a pretty straightforward way. Although there's, there's other factors involved, we'll get to this. One thing to note about all this, and this is set in the context of Baldwin IV's life, because um, the most obvious thing about him is that he had leprosy and he was a king, and that's an interesting thing, obviously, but he was in a very precarious situation. <clears throat> Because the only reason the, the Crusades succeeded in a lot of ways is because the Muslim world was very divided at the time they, they landed there. Uh, big division, uh, which will last until the reign of uh, Baldwin IV, is that you have several um, Muslim leaders in what's modern-day Syria fighting out for control. You also have a dynasty in Egypt called the Fatimid dynasty, which is a Shiite dynasty. Um, Shia and Sunni are the two branches of Islam. They don't get along, so they're divided. And any any sort of uh, reunion of of a major power in the um, the Holy Land or in that area would be a serious threat to these Crusader states, which is what happens, of course, <clears throat> and in the course of time. But um, when it was founded in 1100, Baldwin rules for 18 years. He's succeeded by Baldwin II from 1118 to 1131. It's then during this period that the kingdom expands, uh, begins to expand. Uh, they um, the, um, there were never more than like 600,000 people in the kingdom of Jerusalem, uh, most of whom were not uh, Westerners. There were about 140,000 Franks or people from the uh, Western territories, Western Europe. Uh, and so they needed manpower to fight these, to fight battles. 
And so this is where you get the creation of the Crusading Orders. The Knights Templar and the Knights of Malta were founded for other purposes. The Knights Templar were founded to protect pilgrims on the way to the Holy Land. Knights of Malta were a, um, Knights of St. John of Malta or hospitalers. They set up hospitals, but they were turned into military orders to provide manpower for fighting. And this happens in the reign of Baldwin, more or less. Um, and um, the kingdom of Jerusalem is recognized, by the way, by the, in his reign as the suzerain. The, he's sovereign over the other crusader states during his reign. Again, this is a feudal setup we're talking about here. This doesn't last. It's not like it's a, an official thing. He doesn't become king of all these other places. But they have feudal relationships uh, to each other. Um, he succeeded in 1132 by folk of Jerusalem. Um, um, and, um, he will bring with him, um, more people. He's from Anjou in Southern France. So he brings more knights, new knights, uh, into the territories, new blood, uh, from France. There'll be some friction with the Christian population that had grown up there since the, since the founding of the kingdom. Um, sometimes this is overdone, but it's there. He's also the, the, the king, uh, is folk who constructs the great fortress, called the Croc de Chevalier, south of Jerusalem. still exists. Uh, it was actually taken over by the Muslims, but it's there. Um, and um, he dies in 1143. He's succeeded by Baldwin III, um, who is kind of the ideal king, uh, at least the you know, medieval chroniclers like William of Tyre. We'll get to him in a moment. He was one of the major sources for Baldwin before his life. Um, he... Um, uh, he comes to the throne right around the time of the four, uh, Second Crusade, because in 1144, um, the Muslim leader Nur ad-Din captures the city of Damascus, and the county of Edessa is um, taken over as well. So that gets done away with, and you only have the three states left. And um, he was not successful; it was a failure of the Second Crusade. But he did expand the kingdom south. This is kind of a um, um, uh, um, theme here the kingdom's trying to expand south because from the north you have muslim incursions becoming more and more prominent and in fact uh Baldwin the uh, third captures the last port in muslim hands ascalon 1153 so the coast is under their control um for the next several decades and so the orientation of the the, the kingdom's policy kind of moves south one other thing that he does which is kind of important it's kind of in the background of all this is that not just these feudal ties among his own Noblemen are uh, in the background of Baldwin IV's life, <clears throat> but also other powers. I mentioned the Muslim powers. One other big power in the region, and that's the, the Byzantine Empire, centered on Constantinople. And the Byzantines had actually called for Western aid. That had been the, the, the impetus initially for the First Crusade. They'd had some falling outs during the First Crusade. Some of their, their ties had been kind of, their relationships had been kind of tense. They get better over time. <clears throat> and in fact, it's Baldwin III who makes rapprochement with the Byzantines, and he marries a a, a a Byzantine princess, Theodora, the niece of the Emperor Emmanuel Komnenos I, who is generally favorable toward the kingdom of Jerusalem. Um, um, and nothing comes of this, but, however, um, in terms of help against the Muslims, but, but Emmanuel actually does marry one of the crusader princesses, Maria of Antioch, 1161. And they do this for, for protection. They, they, the idea is you become a a vassal, not a vassal exactly, but you're you're under the sovereignty of of the Byzantine emperor because they want his protection. Um, Baldwin the Third dies in 63, and he's succeeded by um, the um, uh, his brother Amalric, who is the father uh, of Baldwin, which we'll get to in a second. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, he tries to invade. And again, they're they're having less, you know, 
success in the north. They invade Egypt a couple of times during his reign, um, has some success, but nothing comes of this. Uh, tries to get, um, he also marries into the, uh, into the Byzantine Empire, tries to get uh, them to have a joint invasion of Egypt. Um, uh, however, you also have something else happening in the reign of Amalric, which is the rise of Saladin. Saladin is the um, uh, vizier of Egypt. Egypt at this point still a, a Shiite, <clears throat> at that point was still a Shiite um, polity. What happens is um, um, there's a joint expedition against uh, Egypt with the Byzantines. It fails that year, 1169. Um, the next year, Saladin invades Jerusalem, takes a city on the on the Red Sea. And a year later, in 1171, he's proclaimed sultan. All of a sudden, the Fatimid Caliphate is turned into uh, a Sunni uh, state again. What that means is there's a, the real prospect now of uniting the Muslims in the north with Muslims in the south, and this is real dangerous for the kingdom. Uh, and uh, Amalric actually dies after trying to siege one of the cities in the north in 1174, and is succeeded by by his son. Um, and his father was Amalric, as I said, who was also the Count of Jaffa. County, we'll get these these terms, by the way. Principality means prince, county means count. That's where you get the titles from. <clears throat> he was the son of uh, Amalric and Agnes of Courtenay, a uh, French woman, noble woman. In 1161, he was born, uh, was Baldwin IV, um, Baldwin the third act as, as, as his godfather. And at, uh, um, and, uh, what happened was when Amalric became king, he was forced by the high court of Jerusalem and the high courts is hard to understand. It's a sort of feudal council of, of the kingdom, which could make decisions. Uh, and they needed this partly because you had Kings, they might die. You might not have an immediate heir available. You might have a, a minority, a, you know, a kid. So you couldn't have him rule. They would. This is one of their functions. They had a lot of functions, actually. It's kind of hard to explain. I don't want to go into it here, but the high court basically forced Amalric, when he became king, to annul his marriage to Agnes, Agnes of Courtenay, who is the mother of Baldwin IV. I know this is confusing, but it's important to note for his reign. Uh, for reasons, by the way, we're still not sure why they did it, but Amalric did it, and Agnes uh, uh, remarried Hugh of Ibelin, while Amalric married uh, Maria Comnena, the great niece of Manuel I, and so, as a result of this, Baldwin and his sister Sybil were both recognized as legitimate, but he was separated from his birth mother, um, who would come back into his life a little later on. And early on in his life, um, Baldwin IV was tutored by William of Tyre. William of Tyre was the Archbishop of Tyre uh, in the Middle East, uh, born in the, the, the Holy Land, wrote a chronicle of the reigns of the Kingdom of Jerusalem up to 1184. And um, Amalric made William of Tyre his tutor. And so his history is a primary source for Baldwin's life. It's one of the two major sources for this period in his life, both of which come from different perspectives. Um, as you'll see, William of Tyre was a supporter of the Count of Tripoli, who wants to succeed Baldwin IV. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but it was William who first recognized Baldwin's illness when he was a kid. He recognized him, noticed him playing other boys his age, and not being not crying out when he was hit with a sword, when he was poked with something, and he realized he was losing feeling in his limbs. And this is, we should need to stop here and talk about this for a second. <clears throat> uh, you know, leprosy and, and its place in medieval society. Uh, Amalric had Arab doctors treat Baldwin, uh, one of whom was an Arab Christian, um, who also, by the way, this brother of the guy who taught him, actually taught 
Baldwin the fourth how to ride a horse with one hand because by the time he got to that age he, he lost all sensation in the other other hand so um and in fact Baldwin by all accounts became an excellent horseman and only stopped him he became too ill to ride but in general um medieval societies in Europe tend to be very ambivalent about those who contracted this disease the reason why is that it was incurable it seems such an affliction a lot of them, all, people often saw it as a punishment from God. Again, this is a very, you know, this is a medieval society. They tend to see things directly related to God. Everything is directly related in that, in that sense. So they weren't always very kind uh, to people like this. Things were a little different in the, the Holy Land. Um, there, lepers were also segregated because people believed the disease was contagious, but there were also hospitals built for them, specifically outside of Jerusalem. And in fact, there was also, there was even a, um, a, um, an order of hospitalers called the Order of St. Lazarus, specifically for those with leprosy, uh, sometime around 1140 was founded, who, members, whose members were, had leprosy, uh, whose primary function was to run uh, some of those hospitals. We do know, though, however, that a couple of these, uh, in a couple of battles in the 13th century, long after Baldwin's life, that the, the Order of St. Lazarus, they actually fought in battles, too. So <clears throat> maybe a little bit different view of these things in the Middle East given the very precarious situation they're in. Um, they need fighters, they need warriors there. Um, and again, not everybody in Western Europe was so dismissive of, of, of this, but um, there was this attitude there. And so, and yet he was, as you'll see, um, Baldwin, despite all this, was, was quite well-liked by all of his people, uh, was well thought of uh, in spite of his illness. <clears throat> and so what happens is he becomes, he comes into his minority in 1174, uh, Um um, because he can't rule, he's not old enough yet, he's only 13. And so the high court convenes, and they name Baldwin IV the king in 1174. We do know, by the way, that um, this wasn't automatic. They could have chosen someone else, um, despite the fact it's a primogeniture thing. We know from a letter of Saladin, actually, because he had a good network of spies in the kingdom, that it took some debate to convince people to accept him because they, presumably because of his illness, probably because it wasn't clear, totally clear at that, that point it was leprosy. Um, that, and there's a lack of a suitable alternative, probably decided the matter. And so he was crowned uh, in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in Jerusalem um, uh, on July 15th, 1174, which that date's important. That was the anniversary of the capture of Jerusalem by the First Crusaders. And so he's governed for the first couple of years by a couple of different um, regents who run the kingdom. Um, we know, by the way, his personality, according to William of Tyre, that, that Baldwin was bright. He did well with his studies, had a good memory, loved hearing stories. He liked liked history, so there you, know, you can't say much thing much better about him than that, right? Uh, that before he became disfigured by his illness, he was handsome like his father uh, and spoke with a stammer, as he did like his father. I should mention here as well is that uh, even though he was seen kind of as a saintly figure to a certain degree by some people, there's no real evidence he was particularly devout. Um, he founded, he did provide some funding for a foundation for an abbey there, um, but he wasn't necessarily the most pious king, he was more of a knight, uh, um, according to Bernard Hamilton, one of his biographers, uh, than he was uh, the pious king, but um, did have that personality trait. And what happens is, early in his minority, his um, regents um, um, enact a planned assault on Egypt. And um, what happens is they had made an alliance with the kingdom of Sicily in southern Italy to come down. This is the Norman kingdom of Sicily to attack Egypt, which they did. And for reasons that are still not clear, 
Um, the kingdom of Jerusalem failed to support them, and the mission failed. Again, it's a missed opportunity for reasons that don't seem to be. It's probably this goes back to the infighting among um, advisors of of the uh, uh, of the kingdom at that point. And in fact, the the first regent's actually assassinated in 1174 because he was so unpopular. A guy named Miles de Plants, and he was replaced by he was replaced by the Count of Tripoli, Raymond of Tripoli, in 1174. Um, and one of the things that's going on is by 1176, it's pretty clear Baldwin IV is suffering from leprosy. Just at the time that Saladin is beginning to defeat his enemies in Syria in the north and um, unite it with Egypt against the Franks. Um, though he was never segregated uh, from others during his life, Baldwin IV was not. The high court that year married off his sister um, uh, Sybil to William of Montferrat to have someone to run the kingdom if he fell ill. This something that happened on and off throughout his life. Um, um, also, of course, Baldwin, having the disease, uh, could not bear children. So that's another reason for this. And again, this was kind of a mistake. Um, it was This was meant to a lie, because William Monferrat was, a, again, a Western knight, who was a, um, a vassal of the Holy Roman Emperor, Frederick Poporosa. Um, but this antagonized the Byzantines and basically did nothing against Saladin while he was still building up his power. So Raymond's idea wasn't, uh, there's some thought behind it, but again, you have these machinations going on <clears throat> during his regency. However, by 1176, two years after his coronation, he becomes turns 15, he comes of age, and he takes power. He changes policies almost immediately, leads a raid into Aleppo, this is in the north, city in the north, that July against Saladin's troops. Um, Saladin, um, knowing at that point that all the agreements he had, he had made agreements, peace agreements with Raymond of, of Tripoli, um, knew these didn't hold now that Baldwin was king, temporarily made peace with his enemies in Damascus and withdrew. Uh, Baldwin and his, uh, fourth and his advisors were planning another attack on Egypt. They sought out and renewed the alliance with Manuel I of Byzantium. Um, uh, <clears throat> and 11, this is 1177 by this point, I should say. Uh, and this one, when this attack uh, takes uh, takes place, this is a big attack. We'll get this one in a second. But that year, William of Montferrat, his sister's husband, dies. This is important to note for for reasons we'll get into in a second. But he also falls ill, <clears throat> and so he has to appoint a regent for the first time. He's ill on and off throughout his his reign. But in particular, uh, in 1377, help comes from the Western Europe. A crusade. Uh, uh, Philip of Flanders, the Count of Flanders, arrives in 1377. And Baldwin IV actually offers him the regency. Um, he can take over the kingdom while he's sick, but he refuses. Uh, he's got problems back in in, uh, in Flanders. He's worried what happens if he'll stay away too long from his, his lands there. And um, so he refuses this. And in fact, as well, <clears throat> you also have concern on the part of Manuel I, the Byzantine emperor, about Frankish commitment to the project. And so he declines to take part in the attack on Egypt, as does Philip, who turns back instead of going south to help them with the attack, goes north and fights with the Count of Tripoli and the Prince of Antioch uh, in Syria instead of going south into Egypt. And Philip did this, by the way, because he one of the conditions of Manuel helping the Crusaders is that they had to accept his sovereignty, which Philip of Flanders didn't want to do. And this is a huge missed opportunity because they combined their forces. They could have easily dealt a big blow to Saladin, which they did not do and stopped his rise. Nevertheless, while Philip and the Counts kind of Tripoli and the Prince of Antioch were out fighting in the north, Saladin invades, attacks the kingdom of Jerusalem from the south, 
And this is 1177. This is the scene of his finest hour, uh, Baldwin IV, because he leans in person, you know, riding with one hand, um, along with Raynaud of Chatillon, who was his regent. Um, they surprised, with, I think they had like 367 knights and a few few thousand troops. They surprised a much larger army under Saladin at Montguizar and routed it, uh, making literally making Saladin flee from his life. He almost died. Um, and it was a great victory, huge victory, um, much rejoicing in the kingdom, very costly. Some 1,100 uh, Christians died in the fighting, which is a very high number for a kingdom with so few soldiers to begin with. And um, what happens is uh, he gets defeated then a couple of years later by, by Saladin, who invades again, even though Saladin withdraws. Um, and there's just not a lot of help coming forthcoming from the West for a variety of reasons. You have these knights like Philip of... Flanders, who they there's, there's some support for cru the crusading states, but they're more concerned with fighting each other in Europe. You also have lack of help from uh, um, the the Fourth Lateran Council, which is meeting in 1179, doesn't do much to help them. You also um, so you have um, the betrothal of his sister Sybil again to someone um, from the West, Hugh the Third of Burgundy. Um, William of Tyre is sent on an embassy to the Byzantine Empire to try to re restore things there. And in the middle of all this, um, Count Raymond of Tripoli and Prince Bohemond of Antioch try to stage a coup in 1180. They depose, they try to, they want to depose um, Baldwin IV and marry his sister off to a candidate more suitable to them, one they can control. Because they want to, they want, Raymond wants to succeed him as king. Because they know he's going to die at some point. By 1180, it's pretty clear he's not going to live too much longer. Um, and what happens is, to head this off, Baldwin IV and his advisors marry his sister Sybil off to someone else, Guy de Lusignan. And this is huge to understand here because this uh, sets the backdrop for the end of his reign and for the eventual conquest of Jerusalem by Saladin. This leads to a serious division between those allied with Guy, which is mostly the maternal members of his family, his mother Agnes, his sister Sybil, uh, Prince Raynaud, his uncle, on that side. And those were people who are supporters of Raymond of Tripoli, um, Bohemond, Baldwin, and, and male members of his family, uh, Baldwin and Balian of Ebelin, and uh, his Byzantine wife, Maria Comnena. This is stuff that doesn't really come out. If you're thinking of the film Kingdom of Heaven, it's, it's made into a, a schlock story, but it's basically a, a, a feudal dispute which really undermines the stability of the kingdom when they need to be united against uh, Saladin at that point. Um, and the only thing that keeps them together is while he lives is Baldwin. It's his stature, his, his mag magnanimity. People will listen to him. Uh, and things take a turn 1180 that same year for another reason. Manuel I of, of Byzantium dies. Um, you, uh, uh, you um, also have um, the takeover of uh, Byzantium a couple of years later by, uh, uh, a, uh, uh, by Andronicus Comnenus who sees his power in Constantinople. And that's important because the regime that had been placed before this, Manuel and his initial successor, had been friendly to the Crusaders. Andronicus came to power, seized power, because there was a serious revulsion against Western Westerners in Constantinople. Uh, Italian merchants, for example, were slaughtered in a big riot in 1182. And so this means there's no more help coming from Byzantium. Um, there's also not a lot of help, help from, from coming from Europe. Pope Alexander III writes a bull talking about you know, having, you know, aid to the to Western kingdom in 1181. Um, but he criticizes Baldwin IV um, for being a leper, uh, saying he's cursed by God and all this stuff. So some harsh language here from the West and things aren't going well. 
None, uh, none, and so at the same time, 1182, Saladin invades again. And again, um, the Leper King, this point he has to go in a litter. He can't actually fight anymore, but he's carried on a litter. His forces defeat Saladin at the Battle of Le Faubelet in, Le, Le Faubelet, uh, in 1182. Um, they try to uh, lay siege to Beirut in that same year. Um, they're forced to withdraw. He does manage, before his death, his forces to restore the eastern borders of the kingdom. Um and um, and there's managed to have some raids on on Saladin's uh, uh, troops in the area of the Red Sea, which actually backfire on them for a variety of reasons. But um, by 1183, uh, it's pretty clear that he's going to die. Um, he has he's lost his sight by 1183. That same year, he names Guy de Lusignan regent of the kingdom after he falls ill. Uh, however, and this this actually gets into I think this gets into the film anyway. Oh, the film sucks, uh, so it doesn't matter. But I'm thinking this stuff is probably your frame of reference. If you're listening to this, uh, Guy's actions um, when Saladin invades again that year, Saladin sends a massive army. They actually they actually pass a tax. And they they assemble probably the biggest army they've ever ever had. I think like over ten thousand troops, which is huge for that kingdom. They don't have many people to fight to go fight Saladin, and um, Guy basically de- never really engages with Saladin. He manages to get him to withdraw, but Saladin causes a lot of damage in the southern area of the kingdom, and this causes pretty much all the nobles in his kingdom to lose confidence in Guy, and so Baldwin has to has to get rid of him, basically. Um, he crowns his own, his nephew, Baldwin, um, uh, as co-king that year, as Baldwin V, and he attempted, he tried to order Guy to have his marriage annulled in order to keep him, from any claim to the throne. Uh, but Guy defies him. He literally just holds up in his castle, says no, and his sister actually goes along with this. Sybil's loves him, so um, this happens to the end of his reign. Never does force him to come to heel. Nonetheless, in 1184, just before he dies, uh, he appoints Raymond of Tripoli as his regent, although not without serious restrictions. And then in 1185, after meeting with all the great nobles of the kingdom one last time, receiving their homage, even Bohemond comes from Antioch. They kind of know this is the last time I'll see him. Um, he, um, 1185, uh, on May 16th that year, uh, he passes away, uh, not quite 24 years old, still 23. Uh, if you don't know the rest of the story, this is basically the, at this point, you have this divided kingdom. Uh, Saladin will invade in 1187. Uh, eventually will retake Jerusalem. Doesn't destroy the kingdom itself, the Third Crusade. This is Richard I and all this stuff. They come and basically fight him to a standstill. And the kingdom of Jerusalem goes on, just they lose the city of Jerusalem, uh, even though they'll still have access to pilgrimage sites um, as a result of the Third Crusade. Um, but it's the end of that era, the end of when uh, they controlled this stuff. And you see this, and this is one of the reasons why you get this um, this image sometimes of... of uh, Baldwin in uh, medieval chronicles as this you know saintly figure you know he suffered this horrible disease yet he fought bravely he ruled well he would have been a good ruler if he had lived long enough and if he lived you know who knows they had chances to prevent uh, um, uh, Saladin from uniting the Muslim forces against him um, but an interesting and uh, and uh, you know in some ways Catholic life and that he was a, a chivalric knight he wasn't necessarily the most personally devout. Uh, did his best to protect the kingdom that was put into his hands. And uh, a, a fascinating, I think, uh, portrait of a medieval king, uh, something to think about uh, and, uh, and and ponder and consider. And so that is it uh, for this episode of uh, Controversial Church History. Hope you enjoyed it. 
Uh, if you liked it, uh, go leave comments, you know, on the Facebook page or, or somewhere else. Leave some feedback for me. I appreciate to hear from you guys. I want to do the best I can to serve y'all uh, in this in this endeavor. Um, and uh, yeah, remember you can find us on Facebook, uh, on Twitter, uh, at churchcontroversy.com, my website, uh, on Patreon if you want to become a patron, and on YouTube uh, as well. Uh, don't know when the next um, next episode's coming out. I'll be traveling in the next week or so, but hopefully not too long before I get to the next thing. And um, um, yeah, uh, please keep me in your prayers. I appreciate it. Everyone, the support, uh, listening, and let me know um, the stuff works for you. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you all for listening. God bless all my patrons. Um, God bless you and have a great week. You'll hear from me soon. Bye-bye.